It's characterized by uh, a sense of emotional exhaustion, feeling like you just can't handle another day of work, a sense of depersonalization, that feeling of, of being removed from the people you're serving, and a sense of lack of personal accomplishment. You feel like even if you're trying your best, you're not really accomplishing your goals. You feel like you can't meet any adversity that's coming your way. And those three factors together are what we call burnout. Most of my research is about how we can support governments, improve government services, make sure people are getting the services they're eligible for. But the way I focus on that is really thinking about the people who deliver those services. So the government workers, frontline workers, and I think about how to recruit them, how to retain them, and how to support them on the job. You see people motivated to enter the profession. Oftentimes they're motivated by public service, but then by the two-year mark, almost 40% of them have quit. One question that I study is, why would you go through this uh, huge investment of trying to get a job in government, of uh, getting trained for these really complicated jobs, only to quit two years later? And I think the answer has to do with really high levels of burnout, especially if you're on the front line. Even though these seem like very different jobs, there's some things that a social worker, a teacher, a correctional officer or a police officer have in common, and that's that they're directly dealing with people who are themselves facing trauma. Same thing with 911 dispatchers. So 911 dispatchers are picking up the phone and answering calls that handle everybody's trauma. Whatever stress or difficulty they're going through is transmitted to the 911 dispatcher, not just for that one case, but for the hundreds of calls that they're taking every day. Various departments across the country were coming to me and saying, you know, the recruitment problem is, is really a retention problem. The reason we have so many vacancies, the reason we're facing this challenge of constantly needing to recruit new officers is because people leave. That led to conversations with 911 dispatch centers that said, you know what, our main struggle is not only turnover, but also absenteeism. So we're really struggling to keep people after we've hired them. For a specific dispatch center, this is a, is a costly, costly exercise. So it takes about 16 months to train a new 911 dispatcher. And depending on the city, that might be around $30,000 to $60,000 per person. And so if that person starts showing sick leave more or starts being absent a lot more and quits very soon after they get hired, you've created kind of a negative cycle of absenteeism and turnover where the staff that are still there are more burnt out and more stressed because they have to do extra shifts and mandatory overtime. And this creates kind of a culture where everyone is emotionally exhausted and everyone feels like they can't take it anymore. So I started this project when a few centers contacted me and said, can you help us with this challenge of absenteeism and retention? And so the initial study that we've done now focuses on a collaboration between nine cities across the country that were willing to kind of take this leap of faith with us and, and test something new. When you start learning about what it's like to be a dispatcher, one thing that often comes up and certainly came up in our research is that dispatchers feel like they're not seen or they're not valued, even within the law enforcement community. When a major event happens, the emergency responders are the EMTs, the fire department, the police officers, but for various reasons, the 911 dispatcher, the person who's picking up the phone, isn't considered an emergency responder. They're considered just a call center worker. 
And that has real ramifications. It means they don't get as much mental health support. It means they have to go back to work after a traumatic event without days off. So we wanted to build a program around that idea to really professionalize and elevate the importance of the 911 dispatcher. And rather than trying to show to dispatchers how important they are to the residents that they serve, they already know how important that work is. What we wanted to do is show them how important they are to each other. What we ended up doing is creating a series of prompts that we sent to half of these dispatchers, asking them to reflect on their experiences and to give advice to new hires or newbies that are entering the profession. And the idea there was to give them an opportunity not only to share their own experiences, but also to hear stories from other people. In practice, what that meant was for six weeks, they got weekly emails that nudged them to reflect on a specific part of their job and how that connects to other dispatchers. But then we also gave them the opportunity to read other people's stories on a common confidential platform. So even if you weren't yourself participating by sharing your story, you still got the opportunity to read other people's stories. And we hope that that would build a sense of what we call social belonging, or a sense that this is a community that has your back, that understands what you're going through, and that you, know, you can really make a difference by supporting each other. We measured two types of outcomes. The first was actual burnout on a validated scale called the Copenhagen Burnout Inventory, and it's a validated scale of burnout that we measured at the beginning of the program, immediately after the six weeks, and four months later. We found that burnout was reduced by about eight points, and it's statistically significant um, and is a really meaningful effect. So an eight-point difference on this scale is approximately the difference between a social worker and an administrative assistant. So a really large difference in burnout. And what I was most excited about is that you could have this effect four months later, that this isn't something that disappeared the day you stopped sending emails. The second was then going back to the cities and looking at their administrative data. And there, again, four months post-intervention, we saw a, a large difference in turnover, so in actual resignations. Now, of course, you know this is the public sector. There's a, a limited number of people who quit in six months. But even still, we were able to reduce turnover by, by about half. Well, it's surprising that a small, low-cost, light-touch intervention could have a disproportionate impact on something that is really systemic and long-term and chronic. But a lot of behavioral science is like that. If you're unlocking the right psychological barrier, you're able to see impacts from a small nudge on a really big outcome. And so I'm hopeful that this is one of those cases, that we're unlocking a really important, basic human need to feel connected and to feel like you belong.